you go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. You come back with the header, my enemy. You come back and you call it my victory. Oh. You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. Your love becomes my greatest defense. It leads me from the dry wilderness. And all I did was pray.
drop your love and you would wage a war. see in scripture this morning that they are nowhere to be found as a matter of fact they've been called the wrong things for many many years and even nowadays they're still called the wrong things amen but before we get into scripture I want to kind of touch on what we are in the month of and that is the month of Elul which is the month of reflection and repentance now if you don't know um, that or you will, were not aware of, it's fine. You're not late. You can always um, get plugged in. But we are in the sixth day, actually, today of the month of Elul. And um, it's a great opportunity that God gives us, um, an opportunity to reflect in our lives, right? Reflect what we're doing wrong or what we're not doing, um, in a sense, um, you know, when, when this month started, my wife and I were talking and we were like, okay, well, what happens if Yeshua would have come in the next 30 days? Well, look at your life. Are, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Um, are you living according to how the word tells you that you should be living? Um, are you uh, sharing the gospel as you should be sharing? Um, because again, uh, it's, it's our duty. It's our job to share the gospel with those that don't know. And so if Yeshua is coming within 30 days, we want to make sure that as many people know about him as possible, right? And so we started talking, my wife and I, and we said, man, you know what? We really kind of have to adjust some of the areas in our lives um, to really do more. Um, we can always do more for God. Uh, I don't think there's a limit that we can put in our lives to what we can and cannot be doing or what we should and we should not be doing. Uh, I think God in his immense grace is so amazing and so faithful that he's always willing to give more to us. And so if God is always willing to give more to us, why should we not be the same, right? To give back to him for all, for, for the grace that we've received from him. Amen. And so what does Elul mean? Um, 14th century scholars believe that Elul is actually an acronym for the Hebrew phrase. And if those of you that are studying Hebrew, please, please have some mercy on me because I might butcher this a little bit, but I'm going to try my best. It is the phrase pronounced Anid El Dodi Vidodi Li, which means I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Now, how appropriate is that phrase? Think about that for a second. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. In a month that we should be reflecting and teshuvah, turning to him. Now, one thing we've learned from teshuvah, and maybe some of us have a, a misunderstanding of that word. Teshuvah does not mean to turn away from your sin and turn to God. <clears throat> that is actually a Greek mentality. Why do I say that? Because in the Hebrew, 
sin does not have a place in our lives. And so Greek mentality will tell you, yes, turn away from the sin that you're committing or the sin that you may be involved in and turn back to God. But in the Hebrew mentality, since sin does not have a place and you should not be concerned or, or, or focused on your sin, Teshuvah simply means to turn back to your creator, to turn back to him if you've walked away from him. Don't worry about the sin. Don't focus on the sin. Focus on your creator. Focus on your God because he's the one that during this month of Elul is calling you back to run back to him, to come into his arms so he can embrace you and teach you something new. And this morning, again, like I'm saying, this is such an amazing chapter that we're going to dive in because we are about to unlearn so many things that we've been taught for so many years. And, I, and I'm really, really excited about that. So what an appropriate phrase that I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Wow, what an amazing, huh? Right in the perfect month of Teshuvah to, to reflect and repent. Now, um, I'm going to touch briefly on, on the last two weeks. Um, as, as you know, Angie uh, brought a word a couple of weeks ago on, on um, Exodus 19 and 20. Now, Today, we're actually going to be going back into Exodus 20. And the reason why I want to go back into Exodus 20, because um, Angie kind of just briefly touched um, chapter 20. Um, and I think there's something very, very key in chapter 20, like I said, that we need to be aware of. Um, there are words that we've been using for so many years that are incorrect. Uh, there are things that we've been calling for so many years that are incorrect. And of course, I'm going to take you straight to scripture and I'm going to prove it in scripture. These are not my words. This is the word of God. Amen. So we are going to be going back to Exodus 20 this morning. And uh, I'm going to show you the revelation within Exodus 20. Um, also, last week, uh, Minister Jenny touched on, on a word that I believe was a very timely word. Um, for those that did not watch it, please go back to our YouTube page or, or our Website and you can see it there. Um, I don't want to take too much time and um, uh, On that but um, I do encourage you to go back and listen to that word It was a very timely word and I think people needed to hear that um, not only hear it, but uh, if you heard that word I really really encourage you to share that um, People really need to hear that. Amen so again Exodus chapter 20 What is Exodus chapter 20? I have it um, here in, in my notes on Exodus chapter 20. I have a subtitle, The Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. What is it? You know, for so many years, we've been taught that they're called the Ten Commandments. But today we're going to dig into Scripture and see where in Scripture does the words say the Ten Commandments. Where in Scripture... Does God title these the Ten Commandments? Um, as a matter of fact, if you have the version that I have of the Bible, the TLV, the Tree of Life, you're going to notice in chapter 20, right under it, it clearly says the Ten Words. Nowhere in there does it say the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, if you were to look through the whole chapter 20, you're not going to find the word, the Ten Commandments. And... Um, a word that sometimes is translated to commandments is the word mitzvah. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But again, you will not find 
the words, the Ten Commandments, nowhere in Scripture. This is a, uh, um, an, uh, a Christian mentality that is the foundation for these ten words that God wrote, or God, better yet, God spoke uh, in chapter 20. Um, this is what they've been calling for centuries, if not millenniums, um, the Ten Commandments. But in reality, when we go back to Scripture, we're going to see that nowhere in Scripture does it say the Ten Commandments. Amen? Now, these ten words are the creed and basis for moral, ethical conduct, and righteous living for not only for Christianity, but also for Judaism. And these ten words... And I'm going to refer to 10 words because I want us to please forget about the Ten Commandments. It's, it's an incorrect phrase to use. Um, and, I, and again, I'll prove it to you this morning in Scripture. So let's, for, for the sake of time, I want to focus on us changing our language and going from Ten Commandments to 10 words. So if you hear me say over and over the 10 words and you're used to hearing the Ten Commandments, that is exactly what I'm referring to this morning. So... These 10 words, again, are the creed and basis of moral, ethical conduct, and righteous living, not only for Christianity, but Judaism. The problem is that Christianity has changed it over the years to suit more their lifestyle and treat it in a way where they could pick and choose which to follow, which not to follow, which we'll touch that in a minute. Now, these 10 words are also called many things. But one of the things that these 10 words are known by is the Decalogue, and that is in, the, in Greek. In the Greek, these 10 words are called the Decalogue. And when you break that word down, Decalogue, Deca means 10, Log means words. So it is exactly or precisely what God calls these 10 words in chapter 20. In the Greek translation, it is called exactly the same. It is not translated into the Ten Commandments because they were never meant to be the Ten Commandments. They are actually rulings or instructions or rules that we should follow or the foundation for everything else that is to come afterwards. And I'll explain that in a little bit as well. So we see in the, even in the Greek, it is called the Decalogue, the Ten Words. Now, also... The church refers to these 10 words in many different ways. And I'm going to touch five ways that are, we are mostly used to hearing these 10 words. And in a sense, they are incorrect. And maybe some of us have used this throughout. I'm guilty of it. Um, thank God that God is taking us back and teaching us the right way to, to, to uh, teach his word, the right way to pronounce his things. I, I feel like this journey that God has been taking us is like we've gone back to kindergarten, literally to learn how to read and write the correct way. I, I don't know about you guys, but th this is what I feel that God is doing with us. And it's, it's an amazing journey that we, we've, we've been on. I really, really enjoy it because we are digging and we are actually seeing the truth in the word of God. And I don't think there's nothing better than that. You know, we're, we've been taught so many wrong things. We've been manipulated to believe so many things for so many years. But God is saying, you know, enough of that. Uh, I want you to learn 
the truth. I want you to learn the truth about my word. And when you learn it, I want you to teach it. I want you to share it the correct way. And so, and so that's why we are going chapter by chapter, word by word, scripture by scripture, just really digging into it and getting the full revelation of the word of God. Amen. And so these are five things or five ways that these 10 words are known by. And the first one, if you're taking notes right there where you're at, is called the covenant of Moses. Right? We've heard that plenty of time. The covenant of Moses. Uh, number two, the Mosaic covenant. Though, number three, the Sinaitic covenant, which obviously we know this was the, these 10 words were given at Mount Sinai. Sinaitic covenant. Uh, the fourth one, the Old Covenant. And last but not least, the law. Just simply the law. So these are five ways that these ten words have, uh, have been known by. Uh, again, maybe some of us have spoken it in this way. But I want to tell you this morning that those five ways that I just mentioned are actually incorrect. Um, these are the ten words that God spoke. Simply that. The ten words that God spoke. And when I mean ten words, I don't precisely mean that it was only ten words. Words in plural means phrases. And so these are the ten phrases that God spoke. So we need to kind of unlearn that old mentality of those ways that we've been taught for so many years. Those phrases that we've been taught to use that are wrong according to scripture and learn the correct way to say things. Learn the correct way to share things. So even when people come and talk to us and say, oh yeah, the Ten Commandments, we can say, you mean the Ten Words. And so we say, no, no, the Ten Commandments, we can say, well, take me back to Exodus 20 and show me where does it say the Ten Commandments? Because clearly in Scripture, we're going to see this morning that nowhere do we find the word commandment in there. It's, it's actually Ten Words. Amen? So again, these 10 words are simply God's words. Or don't we say that the Bible is God-breathed, right? Um, these were actually, these 10 words were actually spoken. Spoken audibly by God himself. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, just this is, yeah, you know, the, the, the Bible is, is, it's, it's God breathed, it's God inspired, but written by man. So these Ten Commandments, as they call it, uh, it's, it's Moses came up with them. No, Moses did not come up with them. We're going to see in Scripture that God clearly, audibly spoke to Moses and all the mixed multitude that was at the base of Mount Sinai. Amen. So again, these ten words and these previous five ways that I just mentioned, um, it then gives us the ability to follow the ones we choose or like and break the ones we don't. If we look at it in that way. If we look at it in the way that I just mentioned it, in those five ways, it then gives us as humans the ability to follow what we like. The ones that we say, okay, you know, I can follow those or the ones that we feel comfortable with. Or break the ones that we don't like or the ones that we feel they're too much for us to follow or or, or too much for, for us to say, oh, you know, I, I want to do that. I, I really don't like that. So 
we have to be very careful how we use the words. How do we phrase these 10 words? Because the way we speak on them and the way we phrase them, it, it can, again, it gives us the ability to break some and follow others. I hope you're with me so far. I haven't got into scripture yet. I just want to give you a foundation of where we're going in a minute. Now, throughout the Bible, God made different covenants with men. But there are three main covenants that people know the most, and those are these. And the reason why I want to touch on these three covenants, because I'm going to show you how these three covenants are intertwined with one another. They're not meant to replace each other. They're not meant to replace one and, and add the other. None of that. We're going to see how these three main covenants are all intertwined with one another. And again, I'm going to be pronouncing them the way we should be pronouncing them, not the way we've been taught for so many years. So as we go through this, I want you guys to please really pay close attention to my words because these words, these 10 words and these covenants that I'm going to be speaking on are should be spoken, better yet, should be spoken in the way that I'm telling you. Because when we phrase it a different way, again, it shows as if men wrote it and not God spoke it. I'm going to say that again. When we phrase it a different way, it means that men wrote it straight out and God never spoke it. So those three covenants that I'm talking about are the covenant that God made with Abraham, not the Abrahamic covenant. It's the covenant that God made with Abraham, the covenant that God made with Moses, not the Mosaic covenant, as we've been taught for so many years or, or we've mentioned. There's no Mosaic covenant. Moses did not come up with his own covenant. It was spoken by God to Moses. So again, the covenant that God made with Abraham, the covenant that God made with Moses, and the third one is the covenant of Yeshua himself, which, which is in the New Testament or the back of the book, like we like to refer. So these three main covenants are, we're going to see now that they are intertwined with one another. They're not meant to replace each other. They are actually there to, to, to basically come together and form the whole foundation of what scripture is all about. And God did this since the beginning of time. Now, I'm only touching on these just for the sake of the revelation, but then we will focus on the second one because that's what Exodus 20 is all about. Now, all these covenants had a sign or a doing, I guess you can say, that you were part of that specific covenant, right? These, the, these covenants, either you had a physical sign, something physical to do or something that you had to do, whether it was physical or spiritual, that then you, you were part, you were grafted into that specific covenant. And so, again, the first one was the covenant that God made with Abraham. And that covenant was, was a, a, of the flesh. That covenant um, uh, basically was uh, a covenant of circumcision, but also a covenant of procreate, right? Because God told him, you will be a father of multitudes. So how would Abraham be a father of multitude? Well, they had to procreate. In other words, a man 
and a woman needed to come together and procreate. Notice that I said a man and a woman. Nowhere since the beginning of time does it say that a man and a man needs to come together and procreate or a woman and a woman needs to come together to procreate. God in his, in his immense uh, uh, grace and, and, and foundation since the beginning, since the covenant with Abraham, which was the first covenant ever made since the beginning, we see that he clearly, clearly says a man and a woman. That is the correct way and the way that God sees it in his eyes. And so he, he says, the covenant that I'm making here with Abraham is a covenant to procreate. So it is a covenant of the flesh. In other words, it is an outward sign, right? A covenant of the flesh, an outward sign. Now, the covenant that God made with Moses was a covenant of doing. Doing what? Doing uh, uh, to celebrate the Sabbath, to celebrate Shabbat. To, to rest on that seventh day where he says for six days you will do, you will work, but on the seventh day you will rest. And we know, and when we study the word Sabbath, it means Saturday, not Sunday. And when we study the word Shabbat, we see in scripture how he said it since the beginning of time that is a day of rest, a day to spend time with him, a day to spend time with our family, right? And so, the covenant that God made with Moses was a covenant of doing, a celebrating, observance. And that is our, uh, uh, the conscious part of our, uh, of our being, which is the soul. So again, the first one, we see that the covenant of Abraham had to do with the flesh. Now the covenant uh, that God made with Moses has to do with the soul. And the third and, now, and, and last one is Yeshua. And the covenant that Yeshua made in the New Testament or that he came was the Holy Spirit. When we accept Yeshua as our Lord and Savior, the word says that the Spirit of God come and resides within us. So this covenant here that Yeshua comes in, in the New Testament, it is a spiritual sign. It is an inward sign. So we see these three covenants, the covenant that God made with Abraham, the covenant that God made with Moses, and, and the covenant that Yeshua uh, brought himself, all have to do with three different parts, the flesh, the soul, and the spirit. Now, I hope you guys are following me. And I know where you, where you guys know where I'm taking this because this, this is very, this is deep, but this is, this is something that we need to learn and we see how these covenants are all intertwined with one another. Now, again, again, the flesh, the soul, and the spirit. Us as human beings, the Bible says that we are made of three parts. Soul, flesh, and spirit. So these three covenants, God made them for who? For you and for me. So they were never meant to replace one another because they are, they are complete or in a sense they complete what God established that man was. And when I mean men, I mean men and women. Uh, body, which is flesh, soul, and spirit. So we see that these three covenants 
in a sense, fulfill what God established man would be. Wow, what amazing. How, how amazing is that? How amazing when we, when we dig in, <coughs> excuse me, and we see that these three covenants all intertwine with one another. They come together. And so when people say, oh, this covenant replaces this one and that covenant replaces No, they don't. They don't replace anything. Yeshua did not come to replace anything. <coughs> Excuse me. We said this time and time again. Yeshua did not come to replace anything. But to put in practice what the Father has said. What the Father has said since the beginning of time. So we see in Scripture, when we look into it and we study it, how these covenants all come together. And, it's, and, and actually, I'll take you into Scripture. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And I'll show you where in Scripture... It speaks on this. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. What the word of God says. Now may the God of Shalom himself, the God of peace himself, make you completely holy, and may your whole spirit and soul and body. Here we see all three covenants. May your whole, whole, complete spirit, soul, and body be kept complete. Oh, come on, somebody. Here we see all three covenants come together. If one is replaced, if one is taken out, means you and I are incomplete. How crazy is that? So we see here in Scripture, and by the way, 1 Thessalonians is found in the New Testament, in the back of the book, says clearly, your whole spirit and soul and body be kept complete, blameless at the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Oh, come on. Here we see in Scripture how God himself says these three covenants need to be intertwined. These three covenants complement one another because they fulfill and they complete what I have established since the beginning. I have made man in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And so therefore, these three covenants need to come together, need to be intertwined. Otherwise, you are incomplete in Messiah. And so when somebody speaks contrary to the word, they are manipulating the word and therefore they're lying and they're, and, and, and they're blaspheming against the word of God. And we need to unlearn these lies God, that, that we've been taught for so many years. And, and don't think I'm screaming. I'm just passionate because I see throughout the years, we, I've been lied to. I've been taught the wrong way. But now that God has taken us back to the beginning and we've been studying this, and from a different perspective and from a Hebraic perspective, to add to, to what Scripture plainly says, we see how we've been taught things wrong for so many years. Lies. 
lies, guys, lies that have taken us completely the opposite of what God wants. And, you know, sometimes you and I ask ourselves, well, am I in the will of God? Well, guess what? If you are following those traditions, if you're following those lies, no, you're not in the will of God, unfortunately. Because you've been manipulated to follow a certain doctrine that is a lie or that is contrary to what the Word of God says. And we clearly see it here in Scripture. This is not my words. This is the Word of God. Here clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, You are made whole because of the spirit, of the soul, and the body. When those three things come together, you are complete. Without them, you're incomplete. And so we see those three covenants come together in the back of the book. How amazing is the word of God. Praise God. Praise God. So we see how man throughout history has manipulated and put in place man-made traditions with the body of Christ to justify, listen to this, the reason why men has done this is to justify their pagan practices and completely speak against anything Jewish. And I'll touch on that in a little bit in, in a minute. Men throughout history, in about 100 AD or so, Gentiles had grown so much, those that had accepted Messiah as their, their savior, that they had kind of outnumbered the Jewish community. And so what happened, Gentiles were kind of were kind of stepping in, into um, very um, uh, influential positions that now, since they, were, they outnumbered the Jewish community, they began to manipulate or change things to suit them more because they felt that some of these 10 words were too Jewish. Um, you know, the, these, the, I don't like the, some of these things, so we need to kind of change these 10 words. And as later on we know, they changed them from the 10 words to the 10 commandments to suit them more. So they would be able to break the ones they wanted because now man made these. Now man wrote these. And so therefore, since man wrote it, I can break what I want and I can follow what I want. You see what I'm saying? So now it's no longer God's spoken words. Now it's man written words. And so since it's this way, I can follow what I want. I can justify with my pagan practices, with my pagan traditions, and just kind of stamp Yeshua in there or Jesus in there and say, well, you know, he fulfilled, he did away with, he, 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 he said we no longer have to follow what I feel we should follow. Because, again, we can go to the New Testament or the back of the book and nowhere in the New Testament does Yeshua say that we need to do away with the Sabbath. So, in a sense, Christians can say that they don't have Ten Commandments. They already have nine. So, do you have Ten Commandments or do you have nine? Because if you're not following the Sabbath and what the, what the Sabbath really represents, which we know it's Saturday, not Sunday, and you can look that up and, and you can look in the, in, in the translations and you can study it, and time and time again, you will come across that the Sabbath means Saturday. It is the seventh day of the week. And for those that study, know that Sunday is not actually the seventh day of the week. It's actually the first day of the week. For just for corporation practices, corporations use Monday just for bidding and, and different things that they do within their business. They use Monday as the first day of the week. But in reality, Sunday 
is the first day of the week. So therefore, Saturday uh, makes the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. So it was during that time that Gentiles kind of began to take over uh, within the church. Uh, they, again, their population grew. And so they said, you know, there are some things here that are written in these 10 words that don't really apply to us. They, they, they don't really suit us. And so, so therefore, let's not only change the way they're called, but let's actually change them completely. And let's number them in a complete different way than the way God spoke in chapter 20 of Exodus. It is amazing what we're about to learn this morning, guys. It's just going to blow your mind. So again, Gentiles just use their pagan traditions to justify the way they went about these 10 words. Now, God said in scriptures that in the end, we would have great gain. What does this mean exactly? Great gain. Great gain is the ability that you and I have to be able to go into the internet, to be able to go into books and study what all these things mean. Because back in these days where, when these things were written, it was only the church that held the scrolls and, and, and certain documents that the multitudes had no, no, no access to. And so therefore, whatever they were taught, they had to believe. But God knew that in the end of times, you and I will have great gain, meaning great ability to be able to search and seek the truth, guys. To search and seek the truth in his word by all the different things, all the different um, avenues that we have to be able to search scripture and learn the whole truth. Not what we've been taught over the years. So... Again, this morning we're going to be digging into Exodus 20. And so go there with me this morning. Exodus 20, we're going to read the first verse. And I'm going to show you just on the first verse how God speaks. And what God speaks of, of this chapter 20 of Exodus. Amen? Chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 1 says, Then God spoke all these words saying. You can look at translation after translation after translation. And it doesn't say God spoke these commandments. It will tell you time and time again God spoke these words. Because they are words. It was audibly that God spoke to Moses to tell him these things that I'm about to tell you. Are the foundation of everything else that's going to come after. How you should treat everything else that should come after. This is the foundation. These are the 10 rules. And I'll explain that in a minute. What I mean by that. These are the 10 principal rules that I'm telling you Moses. To tell all my people that they need to follow. That they need to follow all my people. It's not just for a specific type of people, not for a specific type of religion, for all my people that they are to follow. So we see right off the bat in the first verse, it says that God spoke all these words. Now, the reason why I have been mentioning 10 words and not 10 commandments 
is because we see it here in the first verse as God referring to as words. Now, the word word in the Hebrew is the word debar, which means just that, words. And if you guys remember earlier how the 10 words are translated into the Greek is the decalogue, which deca means 10 and log means words. So we see whether you look at it in the Greek or you look at it in the Hebrew, they both mean the same thing, 10 words. They don't mean 10 commandments. And this is, I'm talking about the original text, the, the, the original translations, not what modern day Christianity or what the modern day church translates it to, because again, it's just to suit them, because we're about to see that the first word or the first commandment, as we know it, is actually not the first one. And why the first one was actually replaced. Amen? So, again, the word word here in the first verse is the word debar. D-E-B-A-R. And that's in Hebrew translated into actually word. That's exactly what it means. Now, without, if I were to ask you this morning, without looking at your Bibles or just off the top of your head, what is the first word? A lot of us would say, you shall have no other gods before me. But I'm about to show you in scripture how that actually is not the first word. That is actually the second word. And again, guys, I'm saying words, I mean commandments, because that's the way we've been taught, but I want you to kind of get that mindset out. Follow me when I say words. So the second word, as we know it to be the first, it's not the first, it's actually the second. Why? Because these were words spoken by God. It is exactly just that, words spoken by God for man to follow. So when we go back to scripture, we're about to read the 10 words in order. And they go like in this order. And we're going to read from verse 2 to verse 17. And so the 10 words are read like this. The first word actually is the second verse where it says, I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The reason why this throughout history was taken out was because if this would be left there for modern day Christianity, it wouldn't make sense. This is something that God did to the Israelites and the mixed multitude back in Egypt. And so therefore, that, in a sense, to modern day Christianity, doesn't make sense because they didn't come out of Egypt, right? So we can replace that because since it doesn't apply to us, and this is the Mosaic Covenant, or the Sinaitic Covenant, or the Old Testament, and we know how some nowadays say, you know, the Old Testament doesn't apply to me anymore, and all this nonsense that they're speaking, we say, well... We're going to remove the first word. And the first word is actually going to be, you shall have no other gods before me. But here in scripture, we see it as the second word. And as a matter of fact, and this is homework for you guys to do later. If you were to go online and look for the translation, the CJB, which is the complete Jewish Bible. You're going to see in the complete Jewish Bible that the first word is actually the second verse. And actually, they are labeled by letters of the alphabet, uh, uh, of, of the Hebrew alphabet. 
And you're gonna, as we know, the the Hebrew alphabet, the letters not only are letters but have numerical value. And so when you go back to the CJB, the Complete Jewish Bible, you're gonna see that the first letter is actually put next to the second verse. The first letter is actually put next to the second verse, meaning it is the first word that God spoke. In verse one, it says God spoke these words. Right after that, God, be God begins to speak. So therefore, the first words are actually the second verse, not the third as we know it. And so we see there, again, if you were to go back to the CJB version, the complete Jewish Bible, you're going to see it's the Aleph, the Bet, and so on and so on. And as we know, those letters have numerical value. And you're going to see that then the first words are, are verse 2, where it says, I am Adonai your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Then the second one is verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, we go from there and we go to verse 4 and we actually use verse 4 as a, another commandment, per se. But actually verse 4 is actually together. Actually, the second word goes from verse 3 all the way to verse 6. All that is one word. Listen, today we're going to learn something new, which is the right way, and we're going to learn old traditions. We're going to unlearn old mentality. We're going to unlearn lies that we've been taught for many, many years, guys. So if you, it, it, I encourage you to please take notes and do your own study afterwards. Don't take my word for it. Do your own study afterwards and you will see what I'm talking about. So again, the second word goes from verse 3 to verse 6. Why do I say that? Let's go to scripture. Let's read. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself a graven, a graven image. A graven image of what? Of the gods that we just finished speaking about. No other graven images of the gods that we just talked about in verse 3. You shall have no other gods. So therefore, those gods, you should not make any graven images. Because remember, the, these Israelites and the mixed multitude, when they came out of Egypt, they were involved in a lot of idolatry. In Egypt, they, were, they, they had many, many gods. We, we spoke about this in, in the previous chapters. They had many gods. Uh, they had a god for literally for everything. And whenever they didn't like that god, they replaced them with another god. So they were involved in a lot of idolatry. So here, God himself says, you shall have no other gods before me, first of all. And on top of that, you shall not make any graven images of those gods, nor myself. Not only of those gods that you've been following for so many years, but I don't want you making any graven images of me either. Why? Because now you have a direct lifeline, a direct connection with me. You don't need to go pray to some saint. You don't need to go pray to some uh, 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 um, Mary or, or none of these other things that all these other religions teach. No, you have a direct lifeline to me. My spirit that lives within you, okay, it's, it's the communication that you and I have. So whenever you need to speak to me, just plainly call upon my name, and his word says that his ears incline to every word that comes out of our mouth. So we no longer have, uh, we, we, we don't need to be involved in, in this idolatry or this mindset 
that, that these uh, Israelites and this mixed multitude was involved in, in, in the land of Egypt. Again, man-made tradition, pagan practices to justify what they were doing, to justify what they believed in. But nowhere in Scripture, guys, do we see it that it was spoken by God. So again, we continue to read verse 4. Do not make for yourself graven images or any likeness of anything that is, listen to this, or anything that is in heaven, okay? In other words, talking about God himself, or, or the earth below or in the water or under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. For I, Adonai, your God, am a jealous God, bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my mitzvah. Now, we finally reached that word, mitzvah. Mitzvah, yes, it can be translated into commandments, but when you really look at the root word mitzvah, the original translation is actually rulings. Not commandments. Remember, some words have different translations in different languages. Um, modern day society has used certain translations to avoid others. Again, just to justify some things. But the original mitzvah, the word mitzvah, when you look at it in its original context... It is actually translated better yet as rulings or rule, not so much as commandments. But again, if we continue to read all this, you're going to see that here, these 10 words as, as is labeled in chapter 20, is, is are rules spoken by God as an establishment, as a foundation for everything else that would follow. Amen. Now, verse 7. The third word is, you must not take the name of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. That is the third word. Fourth word, verse 8, remember Yom Shabbat, the Sabbath, keep it holy. You And, and the fourth word goes from verse 8 all the way to verse 8. 11. All this goes together. This is the fourth word. Remember, Yom Shabbat, the Sabbath, keep it holy. You are to work six days and do all your work. But the seventh day, again, the seventh day, as we know it to be the Sabbath, the Saturday, is a Shabbat to Adonai, your God. Who is it a Shabbat to? Man? Who is it a Shabbat to? The Jews? Who is it a Shabbat to? Pick a religion? No. It's a Shabbat to Adonai, your God, simply, because again, these are God's words. In it, you shall do no, you should not do any work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your outsider. I'll talk on that in a minute. That is within your gates. For in six days, Adonai made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Thus Adonai blessed Yom Shabbat, Shabbat the Sabbath, and made it holy. Now let's go back for a second to the outsider that lives within your gates. I know a lot of us work Monday through Friday, again, like I said earlier, for corporation purposes, for payroll, and for all these things that they use, 
they use Monday as the first day and Friday as the fifth day. So that's actually a work week. And sometimes we say, well, you know, I work X amount of hours a day, 8, 10, 12 hours, whatever it is. I don't have time during the week to do things. And so therefore, I'm going to use Saturday to do laundry, to do my errands. And if I need to do something around the house or I need to have something fixed around the house, you know, unfortunately, that's the day that most people can come and I'm available. So therefore, I'm going to have them come on Saturday and fix what they need to fix. You know, I'm sorry. It is what it is. Well, can I tell you this morning that you're wrong? You're actually disobeying a word that God spoke because he not only tells you not to work, he tells you, he tells your children not to work, your son and your daughters. And he actually tells you that those outsiders, meaning those that you may have working for you, not to work as well. Because otherwise you are breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the Shabbat. It is a day of rest, not just for you, but for everybody. And so if you're resting and you're not working, why are you making somebody else work for you? Hello? If you're resting and you're not working, why are you making somebody else work for you? No, you're breaking the Shabbat. You're breaking one of God's words. And so therefore you should give those people their day of rest like they rightfully deserve and then have them come over on Sunday. Or you know what? Some way, somehow, we need to figure our schedules during the week to make these things happen. You know, sometimes if we can be honest, we pack our schedules with things that are meaningless. We pack our schedules with things that can be postponed just to justify, like I've been talking about, Gentiles did about 100 AD, justify, justify our actions, justify our words, justify our doings. And so therefore, we justify that we work too many hours or that I have to make dinner or that I have to do this. So therefore, Saturday is my day. Guys, that is old, wrong mentality. That is what we've been used to. That's what we've been taught, but it's wrong. God clearly says in his word that we need to rest on the Sabbath. We need to rest not only ourselves, but those that work for us as well. So again, the fourth word goes from verse 8 through verse 11. The fifth word says to honor your father and your mother so that you, so that your days may be long upon the land which Adonai your God is giving you. Again, this is something, another word that a lot of people don't follow. And so modern day Christianity, in a sense, if, if we were to talk to somebody nowadays, I mean, forget about 10 words or 10 commandments, however they want to call it. They might have like six. They know it as a 10, but they're only following six. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking against any religion. I'm not speaking against anybody. I'm just speaking the truth of what I see. And when I have conversations with different people of what they tell me and, and, and what they follow. And we see that in reality, when God spoke, most people don't follow the 10 words. They follow what suits them. They follow what they feel they should follow because, again, this is Old Testament. It doesn't apply to me anymore. Yeshua came and did away with all these things. But as we learned a little while ago, we saw how all three covenants all complement each other, are all intertwined. Amen? So that is the fifth word. The sixth word is do not murder. Seventh word Obviously, plain and simple, do not commit adultery. Eighth word, 
Do not steal. Ninth word, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the tenth word, which is verse 17, is do not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. Those are the original ten words as God spoke them. But throughout history, the church, man, traditions, religion has changed them, not only calling them something different, but rearranging them to suit them. And therefore, since man said it, I can break what I want and I can follow what I want. Please don't miss that. That is crucial for us to learn this morning. Since man has changed what God spoke, it no longer spoken by God. It is written by man or spoken by man. So therefore, it gives us the ability to break whatever commandment we want or better said, any word that we want and follow those words that we want. And so therefore, in a sense, we really don't have 10. We might have eight. We might have seven. We might have six. Some of us have different numbers because we follow what we want. But guys, I need to remind you the importance that this is not man written. It's not man spoken. This is God spoken audibly. Not only did Moses hear it, but we're about to see in scripture that everybody else also heard it. So that's why I tell you that these words were spoken audibly to not only Moses, but the mixed multitude that was at the base of Mount Sinai. Amen. I hope you guys are with me so far. So we see that is the manipulation of scripture throughout history that has been taught and the erroneous adaptation by the body of Messiah. What do I mean by that? We have been taught certain things and we have adapted to certain things because the multitude follows it. Because somebody standing in a pulpit and says that these are the Ten Commandments that God said. And so since he says it, I'm going to follow it. But guys, I tell you time and time again, if you've been following us, if you've been following our teachings, if you go to our, 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 our congregations, if you're part of our congregations, whether online or physical, you guys know that I tell you week after week, whenever I stand up there in that pulpit, don't take my word for it. Go back and study for yourselves. You guys have the same access to what I have access to dig and search and seek the truth. The problem is that we don't take the time to do it. We just take the person that's, that's, that's teaching or that's preaching the word for granted. And we say, well, if, if he says it, he's a pastor or he's a teacher or he's an evangelist or he's a prophet. Whatever he says, it must be it. Guys, no, please go back after this teaching and study. Go back when you have time, whether today, tomorrow, the day after, whatever it is that you want to listen to this teaching all over again and go and study. Go search. Go do your own digging and see if what I'm talking about is accurate. If not, then come and talk to me and we'll talk about it. Don't just take my word for it. That is how we learn things. That is how we prove things. So when those people out there come to us and talk to us and say, no, they're called the Ten Commandments. We can prove it in scripture that nowhere in there does, does it say that they're called the Ten Commandments. They're called the Ten Words spoken by God. 
Not that, not that they're spoken by Moses, not the Mosaic covenant. No, it's the covenant that God made with Moses. We need to rephrase the way we speak things. We need to be very careful about the words that we speak because we're actually confusing people. Not only are we confused, but we're confusing people. And we're in the end of times and we don't have time to be confusing people. People need clarity. People need to see clear scripture and what scripture means. And we need to stop with the confusion and the manipulation of scripture. And we need to give things clearly so people can learn and accept the right things. And no longer be led by the masses or by these mega churches that are just preaching a feel good message. But then Monday comes and they go back to the misery again. Because they haven't learned anything. They continue to learn old traditions. Old lies. Old manipulation of scripture. It is our job to share the gospel the right way. The way God intended it to share. The way God spoke the gospel. Not the way today man speaks about it. Amen. So again. It, we have adapted to certain things that have been wrong for so many years. And in a sense, again, these 10 words are a principle rulings. Like I said, mitzvah, it could be translated as commandment, but more accurate translation, it's rulings. So again, these 10 words are a principle rule, we can say, principle rules for what would be to come of the next 603 laws or 603 instructions that will start in chapter 21 and going forward. These are the foundation, but we need to learn the foundation correctly. Otherwise, our foundation is incomplete. Otherwise, our foundation is filled with cracks. And if foundation is filled with cracks and our foundation is incomplete, it is only a matter of time before that foundation crumbles. Hello. I know, this I know this is speaking to somebody this morning. If our foundation is filled with cracks or our foundation is incomplete, as we've learned so far, therefore, it is only a matter of time before our foundation crumbles. Only a matter of time, guys. We need to learn the truth. We need to have a solid, firm foundation, knowing that all these covenants intertwine, they complement each other. Nothing replaces anything. Amen? Now, in fact, these 10 words make up the covenant that God made with Moses being principal rules in the Torah. These are the principal rules in the Torah because we find it in the first five books of the Bible as we know it to be the Torah. Now, they intertwine with Yeshua's covenant, like I mentioned earlier. And they were never meant to be replaced, but serve as a foundation or better yet, a guide. And I'll prove it to you how these three covenants not only are intertwined, but are spoken about in the Torah and how they are spoken about in the back of the book or the New Testament. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Again, we're in the Torah. First five books. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And we're going to find this that I'm talking about, the, the, this covenant in the Shema. Verse 5, it says, 
And listen to these words because you're going to see these same words written in the New Testament or the back of the book. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says, Love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We see this, the three again, the three covenants there again. Love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 35. Book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 35. Matthew 22, verse 35. Look what it says. We're going to actually read from 35, from 35 down to about um, 37, 35 through 37. It says, and testing him, one of them, a lawyer asked, this is the, the, the Pharisees and, and Sadducees were testing Yeshua. They asked, teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the Torah? In other words, the greatest rule that we should follow. And he said to them, You shall love Adonai, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here we see how this principle not only is spoken in the Torah or in the beginning of the book, as is, is spoken in the back of the book. Again, complementing each other in all three covenants. None replacing one, none replacing two or whatever it is. No, they intertwine, they complement one another, guys. I just showed it to you in scripture. In the Torah, and again, this is the book of Deuteronomy where we went to first, which is these 10 words serve as a foundation to those. This is the principal rules that follow. I mean, sorry, that set the foundation to everything else that will come after. And we see here in these 10 words how these three covenants all come together. We saw it in, in Thessalonians afterwards, how it's spoken, not replacing any, all coming together. Actually, we'll take it a step further, and I'll show you how they intertwine with Abraham covenant, like I mentioned earlier as well. And we'll go to the back of the book again. And this is what Paul speaks to the Galatians. So let's, book, let's go to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. Galatians, chapter 3. Hope you guys are learning something this morning. Because this, again, this, this, this teaching, as I was sitting down to study, really, really opened my eyes. And, and I was blown away how we have learned so many different lies and have been manipulated for so many years. And what a breath of fresh air this was. What, what, a, what an eye-opener um, when we really dig into Scripture and see what God says. Not what men says, but what God simply says. Amen? So again, Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 through verse 29. Look what it says. For you all are sons of God through trusting in Messiah Yeshua. For all of you who were immersed in Messiah have clothed yourselves in Messiah. There is neither Jew 
nor Greek, in other words, Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Messiah Yeshua. And if you belong to Messiah, then you are who? Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. Oh, come on. We see it clearly here in Scripture how God himself, through Paul, speaking to the Galatians, intertwines the covenant of Joshua with the covenant of Abraham. He says, yeah, you are in the covenant of Joshua when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. But guess what? That covenant is tied to another covenant. And if you belong to Messiah, verse 29, then you are Abraham's seed. You're part of that covenant, of that, of that multitude. Heirs according to that promise. Oh, come on, somebody. Here we see it in Scripture, in the back of the book, in Galatians. Tying the covenant of Yeshua with the covenant that God made with Abraham. You are co-heirs of that promise because you are seed of Abraham. How amazing is Scripture when we take the time to read it? How amazing is Scripture when we take the time to study it? And we see, again, how we've been lied about replacement theology. It's wrong. It's all lies of men. But yet people follow it and follow it and follow it because, again, like I said earlier, they don't take the time to read and study. They don't want to. We fall into a state of complacency, which I spoke about a couple of weeks ago in the Torah portion. We fall into a state of complacency and we get comfortable in there. And so therefore to break those traditions, to break those things that we've been taught for so many years, it is so hard. You know, people say, I, I, I've been going to church on Sunday for, you know, 20, 25 years. How can you tell me that what I've been doing for 20, 25 years is wrong? Well, guess what? Yes, it is wrong. I did it for 15, 16 years. I was wrong. When we see here in scripture that it is Saturday, the Sabbath, the seventh day, not Sunday. But people don't take the time to study. They just go by what man says. Amen. So we see that all three covenants are intertwined, none replacing each other. Now, at another teaching, I'm going to break down these 10 words and we're going to go into them and really see what they mean. I, we don't have time to do this today. It will be a three hour service. Okay, guys, sorry we had some little technical difficulties, but we were back in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 through 21. And I was telling you in verse 19 there, it clearly says, so they said to Moses, this is the, the mixed multitude that was at the base of Mount Sinai says, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. In other words, the voice that came from the top of the mountain was so loud, was so resounding that they were able to hear it at the bottom of the mountain. And again, the reason why God did this, excuse me, was because he wanted for the mixed multitude to know his voice, to know who he was, to know that up to now, they had been relying on Moses, but without realizing that the one that was behind the scenes, the one that was orchestrating everything, the one that was doing all these plans, the one that was providing manna, the one that was providing water, was God himself. 
So God wanted his people to know his voice, to learn his voice. And so he spoke loud enough. And so what happened? They got scared because they saw this lightning and thundering from the top of the mountain and said, wait a second, what are we going to do? Uh, um, I don't want, it almost seems as if God is coming down to judge me. But we're going to continue to read. Look what verse 20 says. So Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come to test you, so that his fear may be in you, and so that you do not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, let's stop there for a second. Again, these 10 words must have been spoken audibly by God himself and and so if all the people that were at the base will be able to hear it. Now, can I remind you something here before we continue to go on? Is that all the people that the Bible speaks of is both Jew and Gentile. If we remember the Exodus, it wasn't just the Israelites that came out of Egypt. It said that there was a mixed multitude. There was Egyptians that began to believe in the God of Israel. And so therefore, they followed the Israelites. And so they grew into this huge number, of, amount of people that were able to travel out of Egypt and able to exit, Exodus, exit Egypt from slavery and manipulation of Pharaoh into a land of that flowed with milk and honey, into that promised land, into the land of freedom. As, as God established. So again, I want to remind you, this all the people at the mount of uh, at the bottom of Mount Sinai weren't just Jew. They were Jew and Gentile. So they both heard the voice of God. Amen. Now, let's go back to scripture because there was something very very interesting there in verse 20. Even though the people were afraid and they said, no, you speak to us because if God speaks to us, we're going to die. Moses instantly tells them, listen, you guys do not need to be afraid. God is coming for three things. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down because it's clearly in Scripture. We're going to go back to Scripture. I'm going to show it to you. God is coming for three things in verse 20. The first one, it says, he's coming to test you. Let's go back to Scripture. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you. That is the first thing, the first reason why God came on the mountain with that resounding voice, with that lightning and thundering. He's coming to test you, to test your heart, to test your faith in Him. And I believe God is testing somebody this morning. You may be going through some tough times. You, 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 listen, I've had a very tough week. I had a very tough Friday. And, but you know what? I submit myself to the will of God. God knows best. And I believe that everything we go through in life is a test to really see who we believe in, right? Who we put our faith in. And so that's what God was doing to these people. He was testing them to see if they had broken away from their idolatry mindset, if they had broken away from their false gods. And so God, uh, Moses says, listen, don't be afraid. God is just coming to test you. And if you believe in him, in other words, if you trust in God, you have nothing to worry about. And so again, this is for somebody this morning. God is coming this morning. God is speaking to you this morning. He's testing you. 
You may be going through a wilderness. You may be going through a desert. God is testing you to see where your heart is, to see who is your faith in. Number two, he says, so that his fear may be in you. So his reverence would be in them. In other words, he wanted to make sure that there was sincerity within them for him. Again, this is for somebody this morning. Maybe you're watching live right now. Maybe you'll watch this later on. But God wants to know that there is sincerity within you for him. That there is reverence within you. That there is love. There is compassion for God. That there is respect and that's why this month of Elul, like we're in, it reflects us. It's a, it allows us to kind of look at ourselves, our lives, our spiritual lives in the mirror and see if what we're doing is what we ought to be doing. If the way we're behaving, if the way we're acting is the way that the Bible tells us to act. And this, there's no better chapter than the chapter that we're in this morning because this is the foundational rules that everything else will follow along. These are the foundational 10 words that God spoke that should guide our lives. These are a foundational guide to our lives. And so it's perfect that they happen to fall in this month of Elul. Like, like I said, it's a month of reflection, a month of repentance. And the third one follows that and it says, so that you do not sin. So they will not sin. Through the ten words, God teaches them His righteous ways. Not nine, not eight, not seven, not six. Through all the ten words, God teaches the mixed multitude, Jew and Gentile, His righteous ways. Not man's righteous ways, not man's replacement theology, but God's spoken words. Through these ten words, God teaches them His righteous ways. And we'll finish with these last verses. From verse 22 to verse 23, and then we'll read 24 to 26. It says, Then Adonai said to Moses, Say this to B'nai Israel, to the children of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. Again, we see it here. God reiterating do not make gods of silver alongside me. Do not make gods of gold for yourselves. You are to make an altar of earth for me, and there you will sacrifice your burnt offerings, your fellowship offerings, your sheep and your cattle, in every place where I have caused my name to be mentioned. I will come to you and bless you. Verse 25, when you make for me an altar of stones, do not build from cut stone, for if you use a tool on it, you will have profaning. Please don't miss that. Nor are you to go up to my altar on steps, so that you, so that your nakedness will be uncovered while on it. Again, God addresses the matter of him being the one speaking from heaven. He reiterates it in verse 23. He says, I am the one that's speaking from heaven. It's not Moses. Moses is not the one speaking from the top of the mountain. It's God himself. I need, I need for you guys down there to know. And how do I prove this to you? By this cloud of smoke, by this lightning. By this, I can only imagine the scene uh, during this time. 
it, it must it must have been huge the amount of lightning and thundering and cloud that had to be on top of the mountain for not only Moses to see it but all the way down at the base of Mount Sinai for every single person to see it. Remember, there was over three or four million people. It wasn't just 10 or 20. There were millions of people at the base of Mount Sinai. So the scene must have been grand. But God wanted, again, God wanted to make sure that everyone saw it, that it was him speaking from heaven. Um, so again, God reiterates this. Not only that, but he also reminds them now that you know my words and my rulings. So again, here he reminds them, these are my words. These are not Moses' words. Moses is, is, just being, is just being used by me as an instrument to take you my words. But it's not the Mosaic Covenant. It's not the Sinaitic Covenant. It's not the Old Covenant. It's none of these names that I mentioned earlier. These are God's ten words. These are the words that God spoke at Mount Sinai. It is the covenant that God made with Moses. We need to change that, you know, how, how we rephrase that. So again, God reiterates his words, God reiterates his rulings, and he tells them, stop with your false gods. Stop with your idols. Guys, if you want to come into my promised land, if you want to step into what I have for you, I need you to follow, I need you to stop those graven images. I need you to stop following these these pagan, these pagan gods that you guys learned from Egypt. I need you to get rid of all that. And maybe this is for somebody this morning, this month, that we need to reflect. Listen, go around your house, search, seek. If you have some sort of graven images, get rid of it. God doesn't like those things. As a matter of fact, it goes against one of his, one of his words. He doesn't want any graven images. And can I tell you, even to the point that a cross is, is possibly a graven image, That might take some of you by shock, but yes. Again, like I mentioned earlier, we have a direct line to God. A direct line to God that we can speak to Him. We need to stop with these graven images all over the house that we have. It's okay to have scripture and here and there, but not have something that it becomes an idol in our life. That we worship in our life. The only one that should be worshipped, the only one that should be that, 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 sh that we should bow down to is God himself and no one else. So again, this is the perfect month for, for, for you guys to go around the house. Take a look. Maybe some of you have things that we, you need to get rid of. This is the perfect opportunity. Again, if Joshua was coming within 30 days, actually we have 24 days. If he was coming within 24 days, is not only your household correct, it's your spiritual life correct, is your relationship correct. Reflect, reflect, reflect. And if it's not, repent, repent, repent. I cannot emphasize on that enough, guys. So again, God reiterates, get rid of those false idols, get rid of those gods, if you want to enter into my promised land. As a matter of fact, John 14 says, John 14, 6 says, clearly Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He is our avenue. He, he is the one. Not any, any little picture or anything that we will have around our house. It is Yeshua himself. He is the only one that gives us access to the Father. That's it. He is our direct line to the Father. And clearly, that is in Scripture. John 14, 6. 
Then finally, God gives specific instructions on what he wants built and how to build it and what not to do from verse 24 through verse 26 as we read. And he speaks about the altar. An altar was simply for sacrifice. That's it. The altar was simply for sacrifice, not to be worshipped. Listen to me. The altar was simply for sacrifice, not to be worshipped as a monument. What do I mean by that? Some churches nowadays are so grand and everybody wants it bigger and bigger and bigger without realizing that what they're doing is defying what God spoke in the beginning of time. He said there, he says, when you make for me an altar of stones, do not build it from cut stone. In other words, do not use a tool. When Yeshua preached his words back in, in his time, they would gather in hills and valleys and he would speak. It was simple back then. We as humans have complicated things where we want these grand churches, these grand buildings. And if somebody makes it big, we want it bigger and we want it better. It is human that has manipulated things for so many years and it's only gotten worse throughout the year. Oh, the congregation is growing. Fine, the congregation is growing, but why does it have to be always bigger? Why does it always have to be better than your neighbor? That is a form of covet because you're envying. You're desiring what they have. So therefore, since you can't have that building, you need to build a bigger one. So here, we're not only defying what God says, but we're actually breaking one of his words. Look to what extent the church has gotten to. So again, it's not about worshiping a monument, but simply an altar was for sacrifice. We need to make sure that we remember that the only one that needs to be worshiped is God himself. Now, just as God wanted the simple dirt of the ground for his altar, if we go back to there, it says, when you make the altar of when you make me an altar of stones, do not build it from cut stone. For it, you use a tool. You will have profaned it. No, as you go into my altar of steps, so you will have nakedness and uncover it while on it. It says here. It, here it says that basically the the what what, what um, God is speaking here is the simplicity of things. He goes, I don't need you to use tools and cut rocks here and the, here and there. No. I need my altar, it's, it's simple. It, it could be just made out of dirt if I wanted it. But again, we complicate it. So just as God wanted just the simplicity of things, not worried about tools, not worried about cut stones or anything like that. As God wanted the simple dirt of the ground for his altar, please don't miss this. As God wanted the simple dirt of the ground for his altar to worship him, not the monument, He's looking for that same dirt off the ground, you and me, where we can come together to worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, I hope somebody got that. Just as God, I'm going to repeat it again, just as God wanted the simplicity of just building an altar, possibly out of dirt, out of the simple things that he created, he wants us, what came from dirt, you and I, to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not worship a monument, not worship a building, but worship the living God of Israel. Listen, I hope you guys have learned something this morning and have unlearned something 
because these 10 words, not 10 commandments, these 10 words, we have been taught them wrong for so many years. And again, we see it in scripture that it's not the Mosaic Covenant, it's not all these things that people call it nowadays. It is God's words. It is the covenant that God made with Moses. Moses didn't make a covenant with God. Moses wasn't the one that came up with the covenant. Moses agreed to what God spoke. So therefore, the, the source is God, not Moses. So I hope you guys have learned something this morning. Uh, I pray that this word has become remnant within your spirits. Please, please share this with people. People need to learn the truth. People need to learn how to speak the word of God and not manipulate it any further, not confuse people. People need clarity nowadays, guys. And it's our job, it's your job, it's my job to bring, to bring clarity within the word of God and take everything back to scripture like we've done this morning. Take everything back to scripture and show people in scripture what God says. Not what men says, but what God says. And again, I encourage you to take this word, take it with you, study it, search, seek, and see that if what I've been talking about this morning is not what God says in his word. Amen. God bless you. I hope you guys have received this morning. Um, we're going to do the, the Lord's Supper this morning. And um, I'm going to give a little bit of time if wherever you, you may find yourself, if you can go ahead and find um, a piece of bread and, and, and the wine or grape juice, uh, grape juice. And we're going to do this morning the Lord's Supper. Um, again, as we do it every week, not out of practice, but knowing the importance of what the Lord's Supper represents in our life. So I'm going to give you guys a minute or so, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and do the, uh, the Lord's Supper. Amen. truly believe that we should definitely learn those 10 words and really 
learn what they mean and who they're intended for and their purpose. Amen. So again, this morning, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Um, if you're watching this morning, um, go ahead and, and grab your, your piece of bread and your grape juice or your wine. And um, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to bless the bread. We'll eat and then I'll bless the wine. And I'll, I'll do it first in, in Hebrew and then I'll, I'll read it in, in English. Amen. <clears throat> and so, Joshua said, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu. Melech Haulam, Hamotzi Elekem, Hashayim Min Hasha Mayim. says, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the living bread from heaven. Let's see, guys. And in the same manner, he lifted up the cup and he said, Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haulam, Barei Pri Hagafen Hamati, Yeshua Hamashiach. says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the true fruit of the vine, Yeshua the Messiah. Let's drink, guys. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for the body of your son that was mutilated for us, Lord. That was broken down, that was beaten for our sins, for our transgressions, for our iniquities. Father, we come before you this morning in search of pivotal month, the month of Elul, and reflect, Father God, on our lives. Father, I pray this morning that through this Lord's Supper, Lord, you allow us to reflect what it is in our lives, Lord, that we need to change. What it is that, Father, that we need to correct. Just as we don't take the Lord's Supper lightly, Father, we don't take you lightly. Or we don't take your instructions and your rulings lightly, Father. We understand the importance of them, Father God. Thank you so much for teaching us your righteous ways. Thank you for this Lord's Supper, Father God. Thank you for your Son going to the cross for us, Lord. Father, we know the importance of it, Lord. We understand the importance of it, Father. And not only Him going to the cross for us, Father God, but Father, we understand that the blood that He shed on that cross, Father God, cleanses us from our iniquity, cleanses us from all sickness. Come on, establish that over your life this morning. If you're if you're sick in, in, in some way or, or, or you have pain in, in some part of your body, just kind of touch that section of your body right now and understand that there is power in the blood of Yeshua. There is power in that blood. When you call upon that blood, there is power that can remove any sickness, that can remove any pain, that can remove anything that is within your body that does not belong there because the Bible says that we were made in His image and likeness. And in His image and likeness, there is no pain, there is no sickness, there is no plague that can abide in your life. And so therefore, right now, we call upon that power of the blood to cleanse us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, Lord. We thank you for that blood. Thank you for that blood, Joshua. 
that cleanses us this morning. So Father, we worship you, Lord. You and only you. You are the only one that deserves to be worshipped. You are the only one that deserves to be exalted. There is no one else like you, Father, in all the earth. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for this time that we've been able to spend in your word. Thank you for this time that we're able to partake in the Lord's Supper together. Understanding the importance and the power that's behind it, Lord. We love you, Father. We love you all. In Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Guys, I bless each and every single one of you. I hope you guys have received this morning. Um, I know we had some, some small um, issues there with, with our connection, but please go back if, if you didn't um, see the first part. Watch it all over again. Share it. Um, if you would like to sow into this, this ministry, if you feel that you're part of this ministry and you believe in what this ministry is doing and you believe in that we're teaching the truth and you would like to sow into this ministry, whether it is your tithe or whether it's an offering, remember, we should never come into the presence of God empty-handed. God never comes into our lives empty-handed. And so therefore, if you believe in this ministry, uh, right on the bottom in the comments is the link to our website. You can go there and you can give your tithe and you can give your offering. I pray that you all have received this morning. I bless every single one of you. I pray you have an amazing rest of your Shabbat. And God bless you. Till next time, Pastor Leo. God bless you guys. Shabbat Shalom.